This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a scream queen. I'm a scream queen, and so are you. <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens. It's the podcast where horror gets gay. This, at long last, is episode 1408, and tonight... It's the first of my behind-the-scenes, intimate conversations with queer independent filmmakers. Now, you met this particular one earlier in the season when we talked about Children of Sin. He's got a brand new movie that just came out called When the Trash Man Knocks, and you're going to find out everything that goes on in that adorable little floppy-haired noggin of his. I'm talking about the fabulous Christopher Wesley Moore. But before we do any of that, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and ever since 2010, I've been your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies, but you are going to have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. <laughs> now, I know some of you are sitting out there going, um, yeah, you've been doing it since 2010, except for this weird two month absence that just happened. Yes, I apologize for that. Things at Scream Queens headquarters were grim. Um, they're better now, but I had physical health problems, uh, mental health problems. I had very serious depression over the holidays, which led to behavior that I am not proud of, that I am in therapy for. Some really bad things happened that I'm working out with a therapist that I'm really not comfortable talking about in public, but just know I'm back now. And I do want to tell you that there was a point there where I didn't think I would be back, that I wanted to be back or that I would be able to be back with the show. After everything that happened, after everything that I've been through, after all the stupid shit I did, after feeling so bad for so long, I said, do I really want to go back? I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I was angry at myself. And I just said, hey, dumbass, what have you been preaching for 14 years? This is not how you get to the final real fucko. Fight or flight, survive the night, make it to the final reel, get your ass up and start doing some goddamn shows. And that is why I put out that little teaser episode last week, the little flashback. It was a promise to you that I would be back and also an incentive to myself to keep going. It was going to be that first episode that was going to be the hardest one to get out. So I said, okay, let's make it one I already put out. So I did that. And here we are. My one regret is that I really wish I had listened to the Evil Under the Sun episode Again, before I had published it, it's been a really long time since I listened to that episode. I know everybody loves that episode. Oh, Patrick, it's so funny. It's so great. It's been, what, 12 years, 13 years since that episode came out? And, ooh, I was not happy listening back after I published it. I mean, I don't like the way it sounds. I don't like the way it's edited. I don't like the way I'm hosting. Some of the things I say, I would never say now. I have, It was a very different time. It was a very different show. I was a very different person, and my brain was a very different organ. And my mindset was very different. I used terms I was not happy with and just – so. <sighs> Well, I'm glad I got the ball rolling again. I'm sorry I picked that episode because it's not a good representation of what the show is now. But that doesn't matter because we're here right now, aren't we? I've talked about me not doing a show for so long that I should just get down to doing tonight's goddamn show, shouldn't I? Yes, I should. So I am going to play a trailer for When the Trash Man Knocks and then unleash upon you the inner mind of Christopher Wesley 
I still can't believe you've never heard about the trash man. Some say that every Thanksgiving, Crispin comes back out, looking for more people to help him complete his family, a family that will stay forever and never leave him. So if you hear him knocking three times, don't open the door. I mean, think of all the stuff you're missing out on just being in here. All you have to think about is making it to the end of your driveway. I'm just so scared I won't even recognize it out there. Do you think he might be out there waiting for you? Did you hear the news? They found her in a trash bag, Justin. That can't be a, a coincidence. You have to remember, Mom, he disappeared. It was the trash man. He's back. Is that the reason that your mom doesn't leave the house? I'd finish that drink if I were you. Elaine Stritch said, does anyone still wear a hat? Well, tonight I have an answer for you because I'm sitting here with someone who not just wears a hat, but when he is making movies, he wears all the hats. He is a writer. He's a director. He's a producer. He's a podcaster. He's a singer. He's an actor. He probably can also fold a fitted sheet. That's how amazing this guy is. You know him from the homos on Haunted Hill, but I'm sitting right here with the fabulous Mr. Christopher Wesley Moore. Oh, hello. That's a terrific introduction. I don't know how to top that. I, I can't actually fold a fitted sheet. I'm going to work on that, but I know I, that's really why I'm here. There was a rumor that I fold the best fitted sheet in four states, and that is false. Christopher, we featured one of his films earlier in this season. We talked about his wonderful little queer conversion camp slasher flick, Children of Sin. I, I don't get blown away often. I was blown away, Christopher. I, I, I don't oh. know if that came across in the episode. Oh, well, thank you. That's really, really kind. I mean, it's, it's, it's a movie we made for about $3 and uh, a lot of spit and prayers and borrowing things and stealing things. And I mean, it's just the fact that anyone even saw it is amazing to, to me because it's just, we didn't have a lot to work with. We did that for not much. and It was so much fun. So I'm just glad that people are seen it and enjoying it. I'm now an expert on at least three of your movies. I saw, now I've seen Children of Sin, I've seen um, Stranger Among the Living, and Trigger. And by the way, you have a new movie coming out, which will be out by the time this airs. But what I think is interesting about your work, you don't take the easy route. Like you say, like, I, you're not saying, I'm going to make a hard movie, and it's going to be a whole bunch of teenagers, they're going to get slashed, it's just going to be all of these contrived things. You actually put meat on these bones. You take your time, you grow, write these characters that have lives that exist outside the plot. You know, they have hopes and dreams, and you don't get that a lot. And dare I say, some people might call your aesthetic woke. Oh, oh, dear. Oh, man. That's actually kind of a compliment, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it, well, it, no, it absolutely is because there's, there's meat on the bones. Look, I'm just thinking of Stranger Among the Living. It focused around school shootings and Triggered was all about this, the, uh, you know, the toxic positivity that goes on. And, uh, and of course, queer conversion camps. You are attacking some sort of an issue all the time and you are approach things with a truth that I'm not used to seeing in horror movies. That the, the honesty in Children of Sin is what really saw me. Like, I, I work with 
kids that are uh, like the, the uh, my um, homeless LGBT kids here in New York, a lot of them have been through some sort of that, maybe not gay conversion therapy, but they've been through some form of what those kids go through. And I recognized all of my kids in that movie. Oh, oh, wow. And it was heartbreaking, but also said, wow, he's nailing this in a way that another big budget movie, the characters that covered the same topic, didn't. Uh, I still haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. I just can't bring myself to do it. And maybe one day. Also, I don't have peacocks on. So that's a really good excuse to not have to, have to see it. <laughs> well, take, take that. But what, what I said with my guests, maybe the thing that impressed them, like particularly um, Pastor Ben, was that you went right after the people who do this kind of evil. You did not shy away from blaming the church and the parents who put these kids there. And that's brave. That's brave. Because where, where are you located, Christopher? Jackson, Mississippi. So kind of right in the Bible Belt, where some of this stuff actually does still take place. I mean, there's I've, I've heard stories. I... I, I actually once went on a date with, with a guy who um, who told me that he went to a camp like that. And he was like, and he didn't blame his parents at all. He thought they were fantastic. And this the entire time I was like, if that happened to me, like I would never speak to them again. There's no way in hell like that. You just don't recover from that. Like uh, the, the character of Joel in the film, who's like the one who's like really into it and like wants to ch- ch- change kind of based on him a little, little bit where he was like so excited and, and and he was like they weren't that bad you know and it was like and my parents just really wanted me to change and i get it i i just found that really disturbing that someone could go through this and be like it wasn't so bad and i don't blame my parents i i don't blame the 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 camp or the church i was like uh, i would that's horrible and also to be on, to be on your end of that on a date to run this is not going to end well. Like all the red flags, like all the red flags. It's, it's, it's like a, it's a whole Busby Berkeley number of red flags. The poor, and it's not it's not his fault. It's no. not his fault. Somebody did this to him, and it's terrible. It's, and you know, and I later on, I just discovered, you know, it was a few years after that when the whole you know Trump thing started, and uh, sure, sure enough, it, it looked like he became a pretty rabid Trump supporter too. And I was like, oh well. Hmm got while the going was good i guess that could have just been horrible it's ugh, you know you, you weren't going to save him christopher nobody can no. No, he's the only one who can something that you said i, I saw that you mentioned online once uh, a whole bunch of uh ind- queer independent filmmakers had hopped on one thread to talk about something and you said something about how the independent horror scene is like the wild west <laughs> yeah <laughs> what does that true. mean i'm fascinated there's no rules. I mean, you can have a film that on the surface seems like it's going to do just great business and it makes three bucks. Uh, it, it, uh, you can have it on a, on a per, per particular streaming site and other films that are similar seem like they make a lot of money, but they really don't. There, no one really knows how much any, 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 anything makes. No one's really... Um, no one has any answers a lot of people say that they do but it's still very mysterious as to how one makes money off of these movies distributors especially will tell you a whole mess of bullshit like well we were gonna pay you but you know we had the marketing costs and the authoring of the dvds and all this stuff they'll, they'll, they'll just go go down this big list of all the reasons why you don't make any money not even a cent 
That's what I was afraid of because I hear that from uh, from my independent filmmaker friends all the time. Like, yeah, we've had a movie out for ten years and they won't let us have it and they won't yeah. produce it and they won't promote it. They don't put it up anywhere. We're not making a dime and yet we can't yeah. touch our movie. Oh, that we awful. made. They're making money off it somewhere, but yeah, yeah. I would assume that they would. I mean, I don't. But I don't know because Blessed Are the Children and Triggered are both currently with other distributors. I don't, I mean, I guess I still own the basic rights, but I mean, I can't do anything with them um, for like another six years, I think, because Mm -hmm. they still have the rights and they're not doing anything with them. They didn't really promote them. They changed the artwork. I with triggered. Triggered had the single worst trailer I've ever seen in my entire life, <laughs> and I think it's been scrubbed. They it doesn't exist. But the distributor cut together their own trailer, and I was like, if I saw this, I would never want to see this movie. It looked horrible. Oh, oh no! It, it, but it, it's 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 just weird that they make these trailers and this artwork that would make me not want to see it as a horror fan. I would be like, this looks stupid. I don't want to see this. But they but they do that and with blessed i remember ha- ha- having conversations with the distri- dis- distributor of, about the artwork because they changed it from the original art that i had commissioned personally to this very generic like rosemary's baby looking thing with like a baby carriage with like a demon baby hand coming out i'm like this isn't a rosemary's baby movie it's about like these pro-lifers who are going psychotic, you know, or more psychotic than they usually are. They told me it was because they wanted to get it into Walmart, which it never got into Walmart. I'm like, so why even bother? That's the one about abortion. Again, another issue, another touchstone issue. So yeah, the Walmart crowd is going to snap that up. I'm sorry, I don't know. It's assy about that, but I'm sorry. It's true. Are there any perks that you can think of of being an independent filmmaker working with no money. Absolutely. Uh, well, there's uh, creative control completely. I mean, you call the shots. So like no one's going to come hats. in. All the hats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it's mostly good because you, as I said, you, you have the f- freedom to tell whatever story you want. I mean, you don't know if people are going to want to see it or not, but at, at least you have the freedom to do it. No one's, there's no like, you know, Weinstein in the corner, like that's not going to sell in middle America, kid. You know, there's none of that. So you don't have to go and like reshoot things or recut things to make it more accessible or what or whatever. You don't have, at least with me, um, I, I don't have any investors who are saying like, I would prefer it if you don't have that kind of scene in the film. You know, as you know, I am a very um, devout person in the com- community and I don't want my money going to trash like that, which can happen a lot. So I think it's really the the best part is just the freedom to be able to tell any kind of story that you want. And also what I do like, it can be frustrating at at times, but there's also something very fun about the sort of spontaneity of doing a film with very little to work with. Because, you know, let's say uh, you have a shot planned for Friday and the it's supposed to be out outside it's a sunny scene you have the perfect location and you get there and it starts raining and you go okay well we don't have money everybody's here so what are we going to do we can't postpone it because this person's going to go out of town next week and we don't know what's going to happen so you have to just sort of think on your feet and be like all right can we move it inside could we get people umbrellas? Could we put a trash bag on the camera? You know, is there something we can do to save this entire day of shooting? And of course, it's frustrating, but you know, and 
also something something else is um actors since you know they're kind of just doing this in their free free time they have lives you know they might have to go to work they might have to pick up their kids so sometimes there might be they might be a little bit late or they might not show up at all i've had actors who were like i can't do the movie the day they're supposed to shoot and i'm like everybody else is here can 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 you can you not do even like a scene like can you just be here for like an hour (laughs) and they're like no i'm pulling out of the movie completely and you're like well crap and so i've had to do that stuff and that's horrible but kind of fun because you're like okay what are we gonna do now I guess we can just maybe shoot every, every, everyone else's close-ups, and when we do get someone else in this part, we can plug, plug, plug them in. And I've had, I've, I've had to do that, and it's, it's, it's not fun, but it's kind of interesting in a cre- creative way because you have to sort of problem solve. It used to drive me crazy in film school when something like that would happen. And they would just freeze. Everyone would, would 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 just go, "What do we do?" Like this actor was supposed to be here, and they're not. It's raining. It's supposed to be sunny. What's going to happen? And I'm like, "Can we put our heads together and come up with a solution?" No, no. They're just going to completely freak out for hours and not get anything done. I'm like, everybody else is here. What can we do with what we have right now? You know why they freak out, Christopher? I just figured it out right now. You know why all those, those people, those people in class, freak out? Because they do not have musical theater training. Okay. Maybe first that's rule, it, yeah. No, the yeah. first rule of musical theater training, somebody drops dead on stage next to me, you kick him aside, you keep dancing. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's it. It is the theater training. You have to keep going. Once the curtain's up, you're you're just on. If everybody around you forgets their line, you make up a song. I mean, I, I, you have, have to do something. People have paid. They have taken time from their busy schedules and paid money to see this show. You owe it to them to give them something. I guess with film, they they just think, well, it's not live, so I guess we can just like do it. No, it's still money, and time is money, as they always like to say. And it's like, make something up. My God, if every crew mem- member could like take an improv class or something, just because they, they just freeze. They'll freeze, but like we can't do anything today. It's a it's, it's a complete loss. Like, is it? Is it really? Come on, we can do something. Get moving from like theater to movies. Were you the kind of kid that was running around making little home movies on your own, like with your phone or not the phone? Because I I uh, I was I got my family's VHSC camcorder. It was like two thousand ish, I think. Um, and it and weighed it was, more than you did. Yes, it was so heavy and bulky, <laughs> and the picture was shit. I mean, it was just awful. And this was before home editing software was a thing. Like, it wasn't really affordable. No, back it was then. just at VHS. So yeah, I yeah. Mean, <laughs> so you had to like cut it tape. in camera. Be like, okay, we're gonna get a close up on this kid here. Well, let's press record. They say their line, we cut. Then we move it over to the next one. They say their line, cut, move it over again. And it was like back and forth, back and forth. You couldn't have music. So my mom was off to the side with a boom box pressing play. You'd have like, you know, the halloween theme and like all the all the measures are in the wrong order yeah oh, it was awful <laughs> it was ter- and it was always like a little bit warped you know it was like that's not scary that's not intimidating and these movies made no sense it was just my classmates and i in a ghost face costume with a little plastic knife that we got at party city just running around making up shit i was all 
improv for the most part. And my direction was always ter- terrible. And I, 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 I get so mad when they wouldn't understand what I was trying to do. I guess because they hadn't seen the movie I was trying to, you know, do an homage to. And, and so I, I was like, it's just like that scene, you know, with uh, Sarah Michelle Geller and the tires and she's just going and they'd be like I don't know what you want from me and I'm like how do you not know haven't you seen that film I can't work like this but they the stories were always like a weird mix of the most unrelated things I remember there was one I tried to make called Sweet Dreams which was a mix of A Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street which would make sense and then like Poltergeist and Terms of Endearment in there I don't know it was like a really weird mix of movies and tones and it just like, and I was always so shocked. Why does this not work? This, I, I thought this was going to work. I love all these movies, but they don't seem to work when they're put together. In theory, I would watch the shit out of them. I mean, it sounds fun, right? <laughs> That's what I thought. Like, who wouldn't want to see this? This is, this is going to be a masterpiece. I love all these movies, but they don't work well t- together. Yet, not yet, not yet. We have to maybe one day. One day, day. I'm going to crack it. Something else that that I find really nice about your work is that you found this nice little stable of actors that have been moving along with you. It's been fun to see them grow, and what you've been doing with you've put them through the ringer, and they still trust you, which means you are a caring director. Because I was thinking, like in Children of Sin, there are a few scenes that, in the hands of a lesser director, could have gone incredibly sleazy. I'm thinking of the. The fashion show scene. That was a scene I, I was really concerned about when we were going to shoot it. And I, I planned out, I think it was going to be most of the day that we, we were going to shoot that because I just thought it's going to be very emotional. People are going to be very raw. And so we did the entire first take. I call cut and I go back to get them. And they're all in the back bedroom, just one on top of each other, laughing hysterically. And I was like, okay, no one's been traumatized. That's good. Now we can just have fun. This is great. Because I was so scared that like people were going to be really intense and kind of, you know, on edge all day long. And I was like, I just picked the best group of people because they know how to have a good time. They're not traumatized by this. They know it's just all pretend and and, uh, no one was having a bad time it was so much fun weirdly enough because that scene is just not fun at all to watch and yet it's <laughs> i was so concerned all the, i was dreading that scene the entire shoot it's always the ones that you think are going to be really really horrible that end up being kind of fun but i'm just um, saying maybe because you put all that care into it worrying about it beforehand that it was fun for them that you didn't maybe you didn't, so. i mean like i said it could have gone it could have been very exploitive to your cast and you don't do that you, you treat everybody very respectfully like you put them through the ringer but at the end of the day like i don't see these people going you know oh yeah he put me in a movie but now i'm so embarrassed i can't watch it i can't you know, nobody's i don't see that they, everybody seems to be they want to work with you and i think that's such a huge compliment to you well, that, that I, comes also, through. I, I think maybe being an actor myself too and having worked with some directors that weren't so great i think you kind of learn like okay i didn't respond to the way that person screamed at me all day long that wasn't fun let me not do that you know what would i want from a director and um what i love about the cast that i work with is is that they 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 do come with a lot of their own ideas and even if something doesn't work i always want them to to try it because that's how they feel like they're a part of the collaborative process and it's more fun for them to do that. And I mean, nobody wants to, work, wants to work with a dictator. Especially since when you're working the way you work, they're going to find things that you never thought of. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Which will never happen if you're dictating. 
Absolutely. And sometimes the ideas are so cool that I'm like, okay, well, I had my idea of how the scene should be played. And I guess it worked. But let's try this one. And usually that's the take I end up using is their off the wall idea that they that they had out of nowhere that works just as well, if not better than what I had in, in mind. I would be remiss if I did not bring up one of your cast members um, who really struck a chord with Tara Gardner and I, the, one of my guest hosts on this particular series, because she watched all three movies with me as well. We love Kenny Bounce. Yes. Yes, we love yeah. her. We love her. Yeah. She's a delight. <laughs> she's great. Oh, she's so much fun. We, we, I think we saw Triggered first. We're like, we're really glad things started that this way because she really got to shine. And we loved Listen, her already. That's my favorite part of that movie. Her entire performance, that character. I like. I look back and I'm like, why is that movie not just about her? That's Every sort of time like, she was on camera, I'm like, I'm really interested in what's going on. I know. I love that character. I love the way she played it. And she had so much fun. And it was just... And, and because very early on, we decided we'd been watching a lot of um, Shit's Creek, and we were like, I, we, we love the fact that every time Catherine O'Hara shows up, you don't know what she's going to have on her head or her bo- body, and so we we're like, what if this character was was like that? Where every time you see her, you're like, what kind of wig is she going to have on? What's she going to wear? So that was really fun to sort of co- coordinate that. And I, I love the one with like the, the big, it's, I, th- I think it's like a purple, uh, some sort of purple jacket with these big shoulder pads. And she has this little, I think it's like a red bob on. And it, we just couldn't stop laughing. We're like, this looks so ridiculous. As one wears on a Tuesday. <laughs> and that's literally what it is. Like, she's not going anywhere special it's just it's just my, my lounging outfit sure it's uh-huh. just there you know just to be there just to be supportive she's a very supportive mother she in is that film. she's very supportive which is why when i saw children saying like oh she's in it again and i'm like oh she's still gonna be in the beginning oh, oh well, i'm gonna no. miss her but then my like, oh christopher oh, yeah. you know what to do with this actress oh, well yeah i mean i was like i can't just <laughs> give her that but actually what's funny i wrote the part of mary esther for her um, but she, she was rehearsing another show where she had like a ton of lines and she was like, I can't do both of these at the same time. And she'd all already signed on for the show. Hmm. So I, I, I was like, will you take Tammy instead? And she was like, sure, that's a little less intense. So that was, that was the original plan, but I think it worked out perfectly. So oh, I'm absolutely. Not, like, I mean, you, your Mary Esther is absolutely brilliant. Uh, uh, uh Joanne Robinson, love her. Joanne Robinson. Yeah. Love her. I mean, she oh still, she walks away with the movie. Oh, I know. That's, Absolutely. Uh, that fine line of, of, of camp and absolutely terrifying. Yeah. But also grounded in reality. I'm like, cause I know this bitch. I know that bitch. I have my religious relative. It's exactly her. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she captured that so beautifully. And, and I think she even told me like, you know, I'm basing this on someone that I know. And I was like, I kind of want to ask a little more. Is it me? There. <laughs> I was like, I, I sure hope it's not. Oh, no. no. <laughs> I don't cut myself in the hoo-ha with a razor blade. Not anymore. I mean, you know, sixth grade was very difficult it for me. Rough. I don't like you to know, go there, You're, you're but, trying you know. to shave your legs the first time. It can get messy. Trial and error, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not intuitive. It's just not. It's just not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm sorry. I just wanted to bring up the cast now because I didn't get a chance to do it in the episode itself because it was running long. And I just I wanted to focus on, on the film itself. There's a the other performance in it that really rung with me. It like broke my heart, particularly on multiple viewings. Was um, Rebecca? Oh, the one whose sister's in the basement. 
Anna Claire, yeah. What I loved about her, so it tied in something that I, I mentioned before. Uh, like I work, for those of you who know, I, I volunteer with uh, homeless LGBT kids. And something uh, Father uh, Pastor Ben had said on a previous episode where I worked with him, uh, where uh, a queer kid was being abused in a film. And he's like, that actor had that wisdom of the abused child to him, that knowledge in the eyes of this, of this someone who's too young and knows the world too well. She had that. I see that in my kids where they just know too much about yeah. the world. And I said, that's what I'm saying. There were so many moments of truth in your little film that just rang and made everything so much richer. So, Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. That's, she's just a very sort of world weary character. And, and, uh, and I just, yeah, I just, I think she brought just such a loveliness to, to, to that particular part. And just, um, you know, cause she's just has this sort of gentle quality and uh, I was just very taken by that. And I just thought, you know, this is, cause I, I think when I originally wrote it, I think I pictured someone much sort of more like street smart and kind of tough. Like, I don't know, like, like I was picturing like, like baby Jennifer Esposito, like, who's just like very like, Hey, Hey girl, like, Hey, like, let's just, you know, like just like very kind of, and, and, and she was so the opposite of that. And I was like, I kind of like that though. It was, it was not what I had originally planned. And, and that's another thing about indie film that, that I love is that it's the stuff you don't plan. You know, someone comes in, you have an idea of what you're going for and someone comes in, they don't seem like they're going to be right for the part, but they have, they have the character within them, but they're expressing it in a way you didn't anticipate. And it's exciting because you go, that's the character right there. It's just not what I originally thought, but it's just as good, if not better. I love that. I love when that happens. It's so cool. Before we move on, I do have one more question about Children of Sin. I want to talk about Rachel McKinney. You know, she's a she's she's a bad girl. She's a little bit loose. She's a, she's a, a loose girl. Yeah, she's everybody knows her. Loose girl, really into drugs, whole lot of boyfriends. You base that on Kevin, right? I I didn't want it to come out here. <laughs> I didn't want to do that to him. We've been through a lot together and uh, I don't think it's fair to throw him under the bus like that. Ding dong. For those of you who don't know, Kevin is Christopher's co-host on Homos on Haunted Hill. Ding dong. But yes, it is true. It came across anyway. It's true. Kevin, I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry it has to happen like this. Well, if you're going to be immortalized on film, be immortalized as a slut that nobody sees. <laughs> Who's probably the most normal girl in town. <laughs> oh, she probably like kissed a guy once and like, uh -huh. you know. Uh. Okay. This question is from uh, Gene Fossey. Oh. Uh, and he said, uh, what movie in any genre would you like to remake and what angle would you view it through? Oh, if that's actually a surprisingly movie. easy one. Uh, Curtains, the movie from 83, the slasher slash, slash film. I've, I've wanted to remake that since I was, I think, 15. And the first time I saw it and I actually wrote a script when I was 15, there was a remake and, uh, it was probably terrible, but now I know how I would do it. I think with all the sort of me too stuff that's come out, hmm. there's a different angle. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much because it might happen one no, day. No, 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 please, know, no, but, no, no, yeah. no, no, that's, that's perfect. No. And I'm just thinking since that movie is famous for having, um, incredible production problems, which are visible in the final product that really will make it special, but also make it weird. That's a perfect movie to remake so you can fix things. That's what I think too. It's because it, I remember being so intrigued by it, you know, and I, and, but it doesn't really 
work necessarily, but there's scenes where you're like, oh my God, this is such a great scene. This performance is wonderful. Look at the lighting here. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. But then you see it all together and like, that was a very odd experience. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I'm a man of surprises. Uh, you are. You are. <laughs> you are. You are. And speaking of surprises, you've got a new movie, which will be out by now called, I always yeah. get the title wrong. It's not when the trash man knocks. Is that it? When the trash, when man, the trash man knocks. Yeah. When, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> my brain wants to call it the trash man always knocks twice at that <laughs> listen when i came out with stranger among the living i can't tell you the amount of times people said a stranger among us i'm like no that's with melanie griffith do you think i can afford melanie griffith i should have not titled it that i i really feel bad now because could have called it a stranger among melanie griffith <laughs> Right. Apparently, I should have. That would have been great. I I would have seen it. Is the Trash Man something I should know about? Is that like a local legend or or urban? No, I just made it up. It's, he's he's just he's just a dude. He's he's like one of these kind of classic slasher dudes, you know, who's become like kind of an urban legend because he cut people up and stuck them in trash bags to make a perfect family because his dad had an affair with the. A young lady, and he killed kill them both. And and now that I, now that I said the thing, like, oh, your your film seems to be always grounded in some sort of truth, and it's woke, and now you're doing a straight up slasher. So good for you. Good for yeah, you. it's um, I mean, there's, there's there's been at this point two reviews that have come out, and they both mentioned that it's probably my most sort of straightforward movie so far. Nothing wrong I with guess that. No. It's it's. I mean, I guess I was just trying to see if I could, but I mean, it still touches on stuff that is. I mean, these days, like, I don't even want to. It's stuff about like grief and I don't want to say the word, the T word that, you know, tr trauma, trauma. It's it's about trauma. I hate saying it because people get mad. They're like, we're sick of trauma horror. I'm like, that is horror. It's all about trauma. All of it. Horror is trauma. Yes. It's, it's either trauma or the fear of trauma or. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But people get really mad when I talk about it. I compare it to sort of like it's a. Uh, Halloween with some sort of ordinary people, if that sort of tells you anything about it. It's, it's you know, it's sort of this sort of family drama. So Mary Tyler Moore is in it? <laughs> I, brought, I brought her back. It's like a jump, oh my jump scare. <laughs> it's really great. One this day. does kind of go back to that stuff that I would do when I was a kid. Uh, but I, I think it's mixed in pretty well. It's, it's sort of a family drama with the sort of traditional slasher trappings. Uh, so I, I think if you're going in for the drama, you'll be happy. If you're going in for the slashing, you'll be happy. If you're going in for both, you'll be really happy. So it's a win-win, I, I, I think. But it's not too gory. It's kind of classy. It's, a, it's probably my, my, my classiest movie. So that says anything. All right. Thank you so much, Christopher. Before we go, just tell people where they can find you. And then, and then also, we didn't talk about how Homo's on Haunted Hill and also plugged out as well. Oh, plug, it, yeah. plug yourself, yeah. baby. Plug it. Plug it, a, uh, plug it up. Plug a, it up. Plug it up. A podcast uh, that I'm I'm uh, a co-host on called Homo's on Haunted Hill. You can find that on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um, uh, Facebook, I think, is H-O-H-H -H podcast. They don't like the homo word. They don't, but Instagram doesn't mind. Aren't they owned by the same company? What is this about? Just, I don't just, get just, it. Don't just don't. It's the fastest layers, whatever. It's confusing. I don't get it. Yeah, but um, And then uh, you can find me on Instagram at Some People Ain't Me. Musical theater reference. Yay. Um, and uh, also, that's my, my name on Twitter, slash X, slash whatever the hell it is now. I don't know. Whatever it's going to be next week, I don't know. Or by the time this comes out, it's going to be something completely different. Or they're going to make, make you pay or 
donate your blood. I don't know. I'm so confused by this whole thing. Ugh, stupid Twitter. Are you still talking? Are we done? Are we I, think so. <laughs> I, I think I am. I don't know. <laughs> am I? It's been a long day. I can't tell anymore. <laughs> and now it's over. Good night, Christopher. I love you. Thank Once you again, a back. huge thank you to Chris Moore. That was a hell of a lot of fun. But I've got a little secret for you folks. Something that my Patreon subscribers already knew. This... This perfectly good, wonderfully informative session that I had with Chris Moore, you didn't get all of it today. You just got the 30-minute version. There's actually a whole, uncut, unedited, 46-minute version that I did with Christopher that became available to my Patreon subscribers last week, to my super screamers, because that is what membership gets you. You support the show, I give you delicious things. You get to go in-depth, if you know what I mean. But Patrick, this was already such a great session. What could I possibly be missing? What you are missing, much like Chris's movies, you're missing the meat on that skeleton of an interview. Yeah, all the questions were answered, and they were funny, and they were great, and they were informative, but you're missing Chris's anecdotes. You're missing Chris's personal stories. This interview just brushes the surface, but then Chris gets to dig in on a lot of these topics and a lot of these stories. There's a lot of fun details that you're just not getting here. Plus, you're missing when I ask the really important questions, things like... Of the five General Mills monster cereals, Cow Chocula, Frankenberry, Boo... Berry, fruit, fruit, yummy, mummy. Which one would you want to make a movie about? Why? Oh my God, that's a great question. Oh, I know that really was a great question, but you're not going to hear the answer here. You're also not going to hear just Christopher and me, just two horror queens hanging out, enjoying each other's company, and shooting the shit and having fun. Because that's only for my patrons. Now, normally I would launch into a spiel on how you become a Patreon subscriber. Right now. Here's the situation. I do not like Patreon. Those of you who have been listening for a while know that I've never liked it. It's not good for podcasters. However, Captivate, my podcast host, has now developed their own membership site system that I am slowly transferring over to. So this is a tiny little first step. Here, to my beautiful screamers who are not super screamers, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Instead of becoming a full-time screamer, you can leave me a one-time tip. And any tip that you leave that's over $3 will unlock the secrets of the Christopher Moore fall on edited interview. This is the test run to see how things go, because I see how this could work in the future. Those of you who don't want to commit to a monthly membership, you can buy these bonus episodes that you want on an a la carte basis rather than getting the full menu. Well, Patrick, that sounds really cool. How does it work? Well, it's it's really easy. All you got to do is going over to bit.ly slash join SQ club, join SQ club. And of course it's SQ for scream Queens. Now when it comes up, it's going to have two tabs up there. One for membership, which is not set up yet. It's going to land you on that membership page. There's nothing I can do about that, but click on that tips page. The instructions are all there. Yes. I'm going to be pushing you towards a five, 10 or $20 tip, but there's a custom tip button there. You can leave as much as you want. You can leave a dollar, two dollars, whatever, but it's the $3 tip above that's going to get you all the secret thoughts of Christopher Wesley Moore and myself when we're left unattended. And information is down there in your show notes and the link. So please use it. Like I said, this is test run. So that's going to be available till February 14th. So next time at Beautiful Screamers, we're going to do a comedy, something that I've been trying to do for a long time, but it keeps falling through. It's finally recorded. We're going to be talking about the jet black, bloodthirsty, cock hungry comedy. The Estate from 2020, which is available on Hulu. The link's down there in the show notes. It's the one where the, uh, you know how I love movies with casts full of obnoxious rich cunts who can't stand each other and all secretly plotted to kill each other. This is an entire movie of that, except they're all gay. It's very funny. It's very dark. It's wickedly fun. And it's got one hell of a cast, which I'm not going to spoil for you because some, some of these cameos are jaw droppers. 
Again, you can find that on Hulu. We're going to be joined by the fabulous Trey Dean. I think that's all I got for you for now. So I think that's going to wrap things up for now, my beautiful, beautiful screamers. All I got to say is that until next time, please do not forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. It just saved my hide. It can save yours. So let's all say it together, shall we? One, two, three. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel. Stay safe, babies. Stay healthy. And most of all, stay fabulous. All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.